dude. I like I like absinthe. It's weird and it is ah man, it's it's very odd to drink, but I like yeah, absinthe. Yeah, it's weird to drink cuz it's a hallucinative drug. It's not a hallucinative drug. That's an urban legend. If you've done any research on absinthe, it is. Sorry, I don't spend all my time researching <laughs> absinthe. I so, spend all my time researching bourbon and beer. Welcome back to Sauce on Beer Room Barbecue. I'm your host, Kevin. Joined here by Alex. What's up, Alex? Hey. And back by popular demand, Scotch Guy. Have we, have we had actual requests for him? No, we have not had any requests for him, but thanks for uh, lowering his uh, confidence over there. I was just curious. <laughs> it was the first question that came to mind. You've probably had requests for me to not come back on. We haven't had any of those either. Bourbon. We don't hear much show. from our listeners. We do hear from them. We've heard from that's true. That's true. I take it back. I, I'm going to preface everything with I'm I'm recovering from something, probably some form of a head cold. So don't mind that's me. That's why you sound so extra lovely tonight. Yes, extra lovely because I sound a little bit of lovely most nights, but just don't mind me. You're just going to sit over there quietly and just make some random noises throughout this episode. That's probably <laughs> what's going to happen. Yeah. So that's why we brought Scotch Guy here today um, yeah. to kind of add that little extra bit um, that. We miss because you're not feeling good. So we hope you feel better. Thank you. Hopefully tonight's episode will make you feel a lot better. I hope so. So episode 20. Didn't think we'd get this high. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I knew we'd get here at some point in time. Um, It's been a good run so far. It's only been eight months. That that blows my mind. I cannot believe it. So tonight we've got planned a fantastic show. Um, Weather is starting to warm up. It's been, it was actually hot the other day. It was hot today. Yeah. I, I needed to wear shorts. And so with that, it means that I can start enjoying my grill a little bit more. Mm. Um, start enjoying my smoker a little bit more. So we thought a great episode to kind of start off this spring summer season would be, what can you do to your meat to add a little bit extra flavor to it? Whether it's a rub, whether it's a wet rub. What can you do to make it a little bit more enjoyable um, and make it just not a piece of chicken or a piece of pork or a piece of ribs, you know? And just how to make it your own. Kind yeah. of put your, your thumbprint on your piece of meat. What, do yeah. you, what flavors do you like? What flavors do you enjoy? How do you want to share it with your friends or not share it with your friends? I think if you're barbecuing, you should probably share it. You should, for Which sure. you did tonight for us. I did. We'll I'm get excited. To, we've got some... Uh, Cool samples that we'll try some of some ribs that you tried different seasonings on. Um, what are we dr- drinking tonight? Let's go around the table and do that real quick. This is going to be an easy one. Because we're all drinking the same <laughs> thing. We're all drinking the exact same thing. Uh, Stamich, which is urban chestnuts. It's a German-style Pilsner. Fantastic beer. Um, Courtesy of Kevin. Yes. Yes, I uh, got us some beer for tonight. Really good, really crisp taste. Love that Pilsner style. Mm. Really easy drink. Uh Uh-huh. Good barbecue beer. Yes. Good pizza beer. I am also, before this, I had a, uh, unfortunately, a shot of uh, Grant's awful, they call it scotch, but it's not scotch. Except you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it when you told me (laughs) that it it was a Jim Beam product. We blinded you on it. I I told you it was a Jim Beam product. I was like, this is Jim Beam? I remember liking this way more than I did. But in the context of thinking it's scotch, I hated it way more. So that says a lot about what your mind has to say. But after that, I had a Maker's Mark Private Select uh, Schnooks Market. Um, Did we talk about that last week? Mm-hmm. Did we sample? Yeah, we sampled some of that last week. Oh, that's oh, such a good. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, 112.2 proof. Um, yeah, it it tastes very unique. Um, I'm uh, Yeah, it was unbelievable. I can't wait to open my bottle. Yeah. Hopefully uh, you'll bring it over and we can side-by-side side them. So I will bring side it over. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, like I said, tonight we're looking at rubs. Um, and kind of just doing some background because, you know, I'm, I'm a man of history. I like to know, like, how did we start with the history of all this? And really, seasoning meat kind of started with people wanting preserved meat. Um, they found that if you added salt to meat, it kept it 
preserve for a lot longer. It didn't spoil as quickly. Uh, they put it in barrels with pickling juice and brines and things like that, and it kept their meat go, you know, able to eat before you died from botulism and things like that. E. coli. Um, it was a hard knock life. Oh my goodness! But that was kind of the first seasonings we have on the outside of meat, and it was really an unintentional seasoning, I guess you could say, because they were doing it more to save their life than mm-hmm. you know actually to add flavor. But kind of from research and all that kind of stuff, one of the first examples I could find of people using seasonings actually to flavor their meat differently was cowboys uh, traveling through Texas um, on um, cattle herds. Uh, when they would move the cattle from Texas, from northern Texas to southern Texas, or into Oklahoma, um, and they'd go on these journeys, and they would just slaughter a cow right there. And then they would take their coffee grinds from their coffee and sprinkle it on the outside of the coffee or on the outside of the cattle and then do it open over open flame. And it gave that meat a different taste, which for what I can kind of think about it. I mean, if you were eating cow every single day for, I mean, I guess some of those journeys could be months at a time. Yeah. You'd want to change it up. Like that was that was snacks, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Yeah, yeah. Elevencies. So how can we? How could they change it up? You know. So they decided to just take their old coffee grinds, put them on the outside, and you've got something new. Sounds kind of good, actually. Which did you do that one? I did. Ooh. Okay. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get back to that. Well, and Sugar Fire has. Uh, they've got coffee flavored barbecue sauces. Yes. Um, yeah, that one. That I think that particular flavor is becoming very popular amongst barbecue. Well, because the you've got the boutique kind of barbecue market and then the coffee market, just like the microbrew market, it, the smaller, the small company type um, production of really everything is yeah. is kind of big right now. So that would make sense that they kind of bridge into each other, especially in the area of food and eateries. And I think it's kind of cool to say, too, that if you think of the United States, there's so many different spots in the United States that has a unique style of barbecue. We've talked about this a little bit before in some of our earlier episodes, but each type of barbecue has a unique style of rub that they put on it. We're going to kind of talk about that or slather as they put on it, which changes that meat and makes it more unique to that area. Um, So when you're preparing a rub, um, one of my favorite books I own is my Aaron Franklin barbecue manifesto book. Um, if you'd want a good barbecue book, it is the book to go. It is so well written. Aaron Franklin does a fantastic job of just putting everything in stupid man terms. Like if you cannot follow one of his recipes, you just shouldn't be cooking because they are so well put together. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, and they're easy to follow. His book is like, he's just sitting here talking to you. Um, He's got four questions that he asks prior to making a rub or rubbing, you know, putting a rub on any cut of meat that he um, is about to cook. And the four questions are, how do you want that meat to taste? How long are you going to cook that meat? How big is that meat? And then how hot are you going to cook it? And all four of those questions are so important to think about when you're seasoning your cut of meat. Um, How do you want it to taste? That's really just a personal preference. Mm. What do you have? I mean... Like we said, the Cowboys, they put coffee grinds on their stuff. Um, You can make Asian-style seasonings. I know Brad made the pastrami for us, and he made it more of a Greek style. Mm. Um, There's uh, the spicy barbecue. You can do like a Mexican style. You can do a Brazilian style, which is much different than, you know, things we have up here in the United States. And you can all accomplish that. You're serving the same cut of meat. Like you're serving cow, but the different tastes you can change by what you're putting in it. I mean, I like I I put cayenne pepper. I don't have necessarily recipes that I that I use. I just I like to experiment and make stuff yeah. up. But pretty much everything I ever have made, I put a ton of cayenne pepper in, just because I put cayenne pepper and brown sugar in it. If I don't want it sweet, I won't put any brown sugar in it. Right. But I, for whatever reason, that that seems to work for me. And that's the cool part about the rubbish. You yeah. can make it taste what you want it to mm. taste like. How long you want to cook is the second question that you really got to ask yourself because the length that you're putting on the heat can really either enhance your meat with that rub or take away from it uh some of the things i've seen like if you're 
going for a really long amount of time. The longer you have the meat on the grill or the smoker or whatever you're doing it, the more it's going to penetrate into that meat. The more the meat's going to taste like that that rub. So if you're going with something that's like really pungent, like a, a garlic, like you're going with a really strong garlic taste, the longer you have it on there, the more and more vampire proof breath you're going to have. You know, <laughs> you're not going to want to be, you know, kissing your wife afterwards because she's not going to want to be anywhere near you with uh that's why you make her eat it too <laughs> so then no one cares yeah so the third one is how big is the cut of meat that you're putting on the smoker um that's going to really say how much rub you need to put on it um you want to put a nice even coating of a dry rub um when we talk about wet rubs you're going to change some variables in there we'll kind of save that for a little later and then how hot again we'll get into that in a minute but that can really change your rub from something really good to a burnt, nasty mess, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So, two types of rubs. There's the wet rub and the dry rub. Alex, you're more of a dry rub fan, correct? Yeah, so far. And I haven't been taking barbecue too seriously for very long, probably the last six months. And so far, I, I so when it, when I try and learn something, so right now it's barbecuing. Um, I'm I'm usually very um, type A by the book, rule following, black and white sort. Of. With cooking, I'm actually not like that at all. Um, but when I'm trying to learn something, I'll follow a certain style until I f- figure it out, until I feel like I've got the basics, and then I'll do my own thing with it. Um, so for for barbecue. The first book I got was also Aaron Franklin's book. Um, thanks to Kevin and Brad for recommending that. And so he's Central Texas style, which is very um it's it's dry rub heavy. If if they use sauce at all, they usually don't. I would um, even say his dry rub is not even a a real rub. It's so basic. Right, because his his theology on barbecue is you get a good quality piece of meat and that's where you want your flavor from Mm -hmm. so when he's using a a rub it's very simple because the rub to him is supposed to bring out the flavor of the meat so you don't want to kill the flavor of the meat by adding a ton of flavor from the rub and the rub is there to be abrasive which catches the flavor of the smoke and salty to pull out the flavor of the meat yeah and and it's there to kind of form the bark, but you're not getting a ton of flavor from the rub. You're getting it from the meat. Right. So that's just what I've been trying. And so far, I really like it. Um, when when we had Brad on for the first time and he brought over those beef ribs, ribs. Oh, oh, my God. and he had that real good bark formed on it. it that was just so good. That's, that's why I decided to, to go with that style first, because that bark was amazing. Now, Guy, I know you're a bratwurst-making expert. Along with being our scotch guy, you're our yes. bratwurst cooking guy. <laughs> that one doesn't fall off the tongue as no, easily. Just no, call him brat guy. Brat guy. guy. I don't so like that. you said that you do kind of more of a seasoning on the outside of your brat, and then more of a, like a wet style. Yeah, so I, I guess the style of cooking um, that I have kind of pushed myself into the most is the one that's definitely the quickest it, I guess you would call it grilling, barbecuing. Mm-hmm. I would, I would think of it, and it's it's brats because I, I don't know, brats are one of my favorite types of barbecue. Um, people don't really smoke brats very often, so I like to kind of experiment with that. And uh, so I've smoked, I've smoked brats a couple times, and uh, but even when I'm just grilling them on a a charcoal grill or a propane grill, mm-hmm. uh, grill whatever it is you're you're using, uh, I always use a wet rub with Use with brats specifically because they already have that outer casing of uh, intestine. Yeah, uh, more or less you get the synthetic now. Uh, the yeah. synthetic for yeah, whatever. Anyway, um, I I use a ton of I use a lot of uh, brown sugar in that, and I use like a base barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. Like I'll use like Malls or Sweet Baby Rays or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, Something as a base, I'll add alcohol to it and sugar, and then depending on what I'm feeling, I'll add, uh, oh, like, I usually add cayenne pepper for sure, um, because I don't I don't like to add a bunch of, like, already cold sauces onto mm-hmm. a hot 
brat. I, I, I don't know. I just don't really like doing that to barbecue in general. But, um, so I, yeah, I'll add, I'll eat it with a pickle and that's, mm. that's pretty much it. They I like, come out really good. Yeah. Good. I don't, brats are really easy to cook dry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and there's nothing worse than like you bite into a brat in the first, like, millimeter of it is just hard as a rock it's awful and then then you get the brats too where the outside casing is burnt and it flakes off and it's Mm -hmm. just like this yeah i'm uh i've had a few of those and it's just like oh this is so bad you know and that's what i've kind of discovered and so i figured out if i coat the outside and with something that some sort of combination of sugar and alcohol Mm -hmm. it'll caramelize really quickly and that'll contain all of the juices inside of the brat. So then the brat actually cooks with, like, and then I bite into it and it, like, explodes. Yeah, with flavor. Yeah, and it's so good. Oh, yeah. They so. were really good. I'm not a brat person. I've never liked brats. But when I tried out my smoker for the first time, guy came over and we put a couple on and he made his special sauce rub on it. And they were delicious. It was really good. So, for me personally, I'm more of a dry rub guy. And I don't even know really... I used to be a big sauce guy, a big wet sauce kind of guy, and we'll kind of get into it, what the difference between those two are. But I used to be really a big wet sauce, like smothering everything in a barbecue sauce or a glaze or something like that. And now I'm moving away from that. I really want to let my seasonings and my meat and the smoke, that net, I mean, you spend, what, 12 hours, 10 hours, you know, a minimum of six hours mm-hmm. smoking something. I want that smoke, that thing that I work so hard to get for, you know, or get to, to be the star of the show. I don't want to cover it up with something else. Right. And I don't know if your experience is like mine, because I used to be more of a sauce guy, too, is I never had good quality barbecue growing up. I know I've said that before. And so it was kind of like, here's your bland piece of meat. What kind of sauce do you want to eat? Like, I want to try. I was trying different sauces. I wasn't trying the meat. And it just wasn't that good. I did a lot of grilled chicken growing up and, you know, grilled hamburgers and all that. And yeah. there just wasn't a lot of flavor to the actual meat. Mm, so yeah. you put the barbecue sauce on it, you know, to give it some flavor. You I, know? I grew up with pork steaks. So mm-hmm. that's kind of oh, a, yeah. that's kind of a Midwest thing. So yeah. if you're if you're not in the Midwest, I don't know if you'll necessarily get that. But pork steaks are it's a pork shoulder. That yeah. Yeah. They're I love pork steaks, but man, they're bland. They you, you just slather them in Maul's barbecue sauce, and they're awesome. I've smoked some good pork steaks. <laughs> See, I feel like I need to try that. We'll, we'll definitely. We can work on that this summer. So, difference between a wet sauce and a dry sauce. We've kind of gone around the table. We said what we enjoy. Mm. But what truly is the difference between a dry and a wet rub or sauce, um, as you kind of commonly refer, hear it referred to as? Um, so a wet's normally mopped on or brushed on during the entire cooking process. Um, you might hear it sometimes referred to as a slather. Um, I know, like, I think of, like, Steve Wranglin, I think is his name, uh, the barbecue guy. He's always with a big old, like, almost a mop, just pouring stuff on. Yeah. You know, that, and that's just how he does his. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting way to get different flavors into your meat without having to season them and all that you can change that meat's taste and texture with what you're putting on it. Um, the big thing that wets rubs and mops and slathers. What, I mean, what do we want to call them? What do we want to refer to them tonight? as just wet rubs, wet slathers, sauces, sauces. I would say sauces. So made from oil, <laughs> vinegars, mustard, beer, whiskey, soy sauce, melted butter, Mm. Um, all those are these sauces that you can put on your meat. Melted um, butter. Combination. All over. Yeah, I've heard. So <laughs> that can't be bad. <laughs> so good. actually, crazy story, though, but I've seen a lot of people taking ribs. They'll smoke their ribs. Then they'll foil pack them and put pieces of butter on top of it. Mm. And it adds this glaze and like this amazingness on the ribs. I've not yet to try it. It sounds incredible. Um, Aaron Franklin's turkey that he smokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uses butter on it. Slathers it in butter. Like takes a stick, like the one pound stick of butter, and just puts that whole stick of butter on the outside of it. You know, I think that now, now that you say that, I remember my mom um, growing up, like if you've, any of our listeners have ever, if there, any of them are hunters, uh, 
wild turkey is very dry. Yes. Um, not not the whiskey wild turkey. Like if you kill a wild turkey during turkey season and go to cook it, it's very dry and it's really hard to cook. So a lot of times, like my grandpa and my grandma and my mom in turn would, uh, they would smoke these turkeys or uh, or bake them if they didn't brine them if mm-hmm. they didn't have time if they didn't feel like brining them. Uh, they'd cook them with like two sticks of butter. Oh yeah, like and it would and they would cook good, but. Man, if you if you leave that out and you don't brine it, oh yeah. my gosh, wild turkey is just like it's game. Eat, it's eat. Le- it's like yeah. eating leather. Mm, it's well, just because it's so lean compared to turkeys tough. that we raise on turkey farms. They're fed to be eaten. You yeah, know? you feed them sticks of butter and corn. That's exactly. What they eat. <laughs> exactly. So we kind of said, you know, those are all the add-ins that kind of make a good wet sauce. Um, they adhere better than dry rubs because you think about it, dry rubs. What's the only thing that's keeping them on there? Kind of the moisture that's in the meat. Once that moisture disappears, you start losing that dry rub because it's starting to fall off. That's why sometimes when you're smoking meat, you got to add that extra little bit of moisture to your meat, whether you're doing it through like an apple uh, juice, vinegar type mixture. It kind of keeps that extra little bit of moisture to keep your rub sticking. Um, Kansas City, Memphis, Carolina, those are the big predominantly use of wet sauces. Um, now that's that's the only thing they use, but they'll use a lot of wet sauce. It's just sauces. what they're famous yeah. for. I mean, you think of like a Carolina mustard sauce mm-hmm. or a Kansas City molasses. Yeah. Sticky. The thick, heavy, sweet. Really dark. The really thing that good. takes you 25 minutes to get out of the bottle, but it's like eating like liquid sugar. Mm-hmm. It's so good. And speaking of that sugar, that's putting that on the meat sometimes can really change that meat. It pulls. <clears throat> It kind of creates like a wetsuit almost, where it's not yeah. going to allow that smoke to get into the meat. Um, in my experience, too, while it, this is kind of my theory with brats. While I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty inexperienced as far as smoking other types of meats and cooking other types of stuff. But um, I, I really like bratwurst. It's kind of weird. Uh, is you create an outer layer that can. Like, if something's really sweet, it, the sugar kind of caramelizes, and it creates a... Even if it doesn't turn into a bark, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, it um, it kind of keeps the moisture in. Yeah. So I don't necessarily... The way I think about it is think of keeping flavors out as much as keeping the juices of the meat in. Because no matter what flavor you like, I don't know anyone who likes eating really dry cut of meat. Well, and I think it kind of adds a second casing to the outside. Mm. Like when you're talking about like a bratwurst, because the worst thing you can have happen is you puncture a hole in your casing and then you get the juices spraying out. Then you get flare ups. And so it's almost creating like that second coating, which or patches the holes when you get the hole in your your coating. It's like a sugar just falls in there. Yeah. So that kind of sums up wet rubs. I mean, I think that, they're good. They've got their place. Um, and I think, again, it's a style. What mm-hmm. style yeah. are you into? Um, it's going to bring out different flavors that you're not going to get right. in dry rubs. Right. Whether that's coming from the sauce or how that affects the meat. Mm-hmm. Now, most of it, I would say, when you're using a sauce, a slather, that's where more of your flavor is coming from than from the meat. That That's just my experience. Right. And Brad sometimes says that your sauces cover up bad barbecue. I've heard a lot of different people express yeah. that opinion that if if it's covered in sauce, then it's probably hiding not good meat. But at the same time, I don't agree 100% with that because, like, Arthur Bryant um, out of Kansas City, and he's got yeah. damn good barbecue that comes with sauce on it, and oh, it yeah. is really good. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're not going wrong with that. So, But that's someone who probably spent a lot of time pouring into the type of wet rub he was using as well as cooking the meat the right way. Yeah. And yeah. getting good quality meat. Getting so, that balance between the yeah. meat and all that. I mean, you think of like some of the Carolinas and all that kind of stuff. Their mustard rub, their vinegar mustard oh, rubs mm-hmm. go so well. Like, I love a good mustard yeah. sauce on their meat because mm-hmm. it's like, it just it complements the fattiness of the pork. It cuts right. through that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have it, you're missing out, you know, like. So that kind of leads us, I guess, now let's get into dry rubs, let's. which is what. I've really been experimenting with. I know, Alex, you've been kind of experimenting with it, too. Um, A dry rub is just a spice blend applied before smoking. So 
Wet rub during smoking. Dry rub is pre-smoking. And you that's the only time you do Yes. It. Which I've done I've done a few times where I've added extra dry rub. And after it, it's been cooking? Yeah. Uh, really? and I, why? Well this is prior to me understanding why. Sure, but why did why Because I thought I was losing the dry rub. Oh, I didn't realize that it was yeah. dissolving going into the meat. Mm-hmm. I was like, crap, it's burning it's off or it's disappearing. Huh? Like this is not who, but, who came by and took the dry rub off my ribs? <laughs> exactly. The dry rub fairies. <laughs> exactly. Cousins to the bourbon angels. I didn't know they had cousins. They, they do now. They're cousins. Oh my god, now I gotta worry about dry rub fairies. <laughs> dry rub fairies and bourbon angels. We need to get some traps. Oh, we don't want to catch <laughs> bourbon angels. They, they're doing a good job, but those dry rub fairies... They steal bourbon from us. But, from the barrel. With a straw. But it helps make bourbon good. But what if the bourbon was just as good? I don't think it could and be. Were, and the, the angels weren't taking their share. But, I don't think we want to pick a fight Okay, we got to move on. This is not anything to do with our topic tonight. So dry rubs, you apply them before you're smoking, and they're going to help add that barkness to it. Mm, and every time barkness. I think of bark, I think of like tree bark, you know. But that's really kind of what you're shooting for. You're shooting for that mm. outer crustiness of the meat. That protects the inner goodness and enhances that inner goodness. I always uh, think of brisket. Like oh, I feel yeah. like you see the best bark on brisket. Oh, yeah. You should see the best bark on yes. brisket because if you do a brisket correctly, I mean Brad's brisket. So oh good. my gosh, I've had brisket since then without good bark, and it just wasn't worth the money. Sugar Fire's brisket. I was going to say Sh- Sugar oh. Fire has in town. Sugar Fire is like the best brisket that I've had. Oh yeah. I haven't had Pappy's. I've heard that Pappy's brisket is unreal. Pappy's ribs are the, the way to go there. Okay. Really? Yeah. Pork, beef? Pork. Okay. Yeah. See, I like their pulled pork a lot. They do a good pulled pork. I've never actually had Pappy's. Okay, we gotta move on. We gotta yeah. move on. So, dry rubs mostly used in Texas-style barbecue, like what Aaron Franklin did. You're doing a lot of over-the-flame kind of, you know, open flame, I guess. Alex, you're shaking your head no at me for over-the-flame. Open <laughs> flame. You don't smoke over-the-flame. Yeah. <laughs> open flame kind of uh cooking and all that kind of stuff so you can really get the extra smokiness and all that and that's what makes their meat unique now you still can find some texas barbecue sauces Mm -hmm. um and they'll put it out there on the table and they'll make fun of you if you use it Uh, (laughs) some places just won't though right but maybe hot sauce yeah but nothing else so one question on dry rubs that Mm -hmm. i have for you guys is there a meat that you like to experiment uh, your dry rubs on? Like, is, do you say, oh, hey, I have this dry rub. Granted, you don't want to buy a whole rack of ribs and spend your entire day doing, like, to see if this dry rub sucks so, or not. I'm going to do a rack of ribs. Okay. Because then I can do sections on my ribs. Yeah. I can cut my ribs and do three different dry rubs and see what I like where I'm not doing like a pork shoulder or a pork butt you know okay. where that whole thing is gonna be coated and whatever i put in there is gonna make the whole meat that's seven pounds of meat rather than right two right. pounds that i'm trying you okay know? that makes a lot of sense yeah. so ribs mm-hmm. yeah okay. because i can cut a full slab of ribs into eight sections and do two ribs this season two yeah. ribs this season two and get a little but, bit but that'll it'll cook a little different differently though right because it's not all a part of the same body of meat. You can do it. You can section it off. Like what I've, I've done in the past where I, I've done one section of my ribs, one rub, and one section of the other rub, and I've kept them together. I just kind of have like a dividing line. Okay. That's um, what I did today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what Alex did for our, our ribs we're going to try in a little bit. Interesting. So that bark, I think, is what makes dry rubs. They're unique. That's what I love. Yeah. That's yeah. what I love about, and that's what I fell in love with with um, Brad's ribs. So the dry rub is really just the smoke and the heat interacting, or the dry rub. The bark is the smoke and the meat interacting together. Um, And I didn't know how the bark, like, formed. So I did a lot of research into this, and I got into some crazy scientific, like, molecular or molecules, things changing, (laughs) science terms. Kevin's not a science teacher. I am a science teacher. I think you're a math teacher. Well, I teach math and science. But I teach fifth grade level science. You don't te- <laughs> I'm not teaching chemistry. You don't teach English, He's not right? teaching people how what? to make bark You don't teach on English, I don't right? teach English. Or German. Or German. Thank no. goodness. My German teacher's retiring, too. 
probably heard a couple of your episodes and was like, I failed as a teacher. I'm giving up. Oh, man. So, Donka Shan. Uh, <laughs> so, I really dived into the science behind what creates a spark. And there's like an actual term. So, the Maillard reaction is what causes this meat to change. And I, I typed here like what it is. So it's a chemical process in which amino acids react with reducing sugars to create flavored flavors. Hmm. And when I read that the first time I was like, that's interesting. And then I didn't know what any of that, I mean, I know what amino acids are and all that kind of stuff. So I found Aaron Franklin. He put it in a layman's term an an easy way to understand it. And he says, Sweet, irresistible flavors that come from searing a steak in a pan, toasting bread in an oven, roasting coffee, or cooking brisket in a smoker. I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. So this whole process is what causes, this reaction is what causes this bark to form. And it's interesting because it's just, just not in smoking meat. Like he said, it's in roasting coffee. It's in making bread. Mm. Um and which makes sense because, like, if you put a piece of bread in a toaster oven, what happens to that bread? You get a crust. It gets a crust on it. Yeah. The inside's still soft. The outside's crusty. Okay, that mm-hmm. makes a whole lot more sense now. So when you create that bark, you're really taking the particles of smoke and you're helping them cling to the meat. And it's going to start turning black. And a lot of people freak out when they see that blackness. I know, like... When I've seen a couple of briskets, when I first started looking at barbecue, I was like, crap, they burnt their barbecue. Right, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Pour like them. Burnt. It looks, it looks and like And then that. you ate it, and it was like, oh my goodness, this is the most delicious burnt barbecue I've ever had in my entire life. <laughs> but finding out that it's not burnt, it's just the seasonings and all that from this reaction turning that color. Um, it's really important to know, too, that and I didn't know this, but if you're at a brown bark, you're not giving it enough smoke. Um, which I've had a couple barbecues and rubs and ribs and briskets. Well, I've never uh, pork, not briskets, but I've eaten briskets that are brown color. And you would think, oh, that's what it should be, but it's not enough smoke, which was interesting to me. I would think if it's brown, that means you're getting a lot of heat and no smoke. Correct. Correct. Like if you were baking it. Yeah. So this whole idea of creating the bark, then I dived into another rabbit hole of how do you create your own rubs? And there's no exact science for it. I cannot tell you you need to make this rub taste like this. Like there's a 100,000 rub recipes out there. If you get on the internet and type in meat rub or, oh, that sounds dirty. Um <laughs> I don't even know how to make that not sound dirty. Uh, Barbecue rub. Barbecue rubs. uh, That you'll get a million different ones. And Mm -hmm. everybody says theirs is the best. But you can't go on what everybody else says. Just make your own. You have to make your own. Or you have to try a bunch of them until you find something you like. What you like, guys, is not going to be what I like. If I tried some with a ton of cayenne pepper in it, I'm going to be like, no, that's not me. That's going to turn off my taste buds. Well, maybe. It may be, but I know, like, my taste of, like, what I want for, like, I don't want a real spicy barbecue. Um, So the goal of a rub is to you know, take a nice cut of meat, not an obscure, crappy piece of meat. Like, you want to actually get good cuts, whether you go to a local butcher or you go to a place that does the cuts actually at that store, um, like a Costco, a Sam's, um, a Save Lot here in St. Louis. They get their cuts. They actually have a butcher on site, which oh. I didn't know about that, mm-hmm. that cuts their own meat, um, yep. but doesn't get the cuts brought in you're going to get a better cut, a more quality cut. Um, And I think as far as on the note of making your own rubs, uh, if you're new to it, it can be kind of overwhelming. Just like getting into, into bourbon or craft beer or anything. There's the well is never ending Mm -hmm. that you could, there's so much to do. So it's like, Oh, where do I start? Um, I think as far as this is my opinion on wet rubs, start with a base barbecue sauce. 
and then start adding things to it. Pick three things that you want to add to it um, <clears throat> in equal proportions yeah. to however much barbecue sauce you added. Uh, so something like even just Sweet Baby Ray's or Malls, and then and then see what you like and start adding stuff, and then eventually you can phase the barbecue sauce out and then yeah. start making your own wet rub. Uh, that's kind of been my experience. And then with wet, with dry rubs, um, start with salt and pepper, and then same rule. And Add, we'll kind of get to that. I've got some guidelines to kind of yeah. hopefully help people understand how to create a good a good base for a rub. And then yeah. you can change it and make your own. Um, the big thing I've seen, though, about any creating of rubs is make sure you don't have one spice stand out. It needs to be a symphony, not a solo. Um, so here's kind of the guidelines I found for if you're going to create your own rub, how you should start doing it. Um, the first thing is you need to start with a salt foundation. Any meat, kind of like what we said in the very beginning of this episode, salt has been used to season meat for hundreds of thousands of years. But any meat is going to taste a little bit better with a, just a little bit of salt. Well, and salt's going to bring out the flavor. Yeah, it's going to bring out that. That's it its absorbs, purpose. Yeah, absorbs that juice out. Um, as long as you don't have too much. Right. From what I've read, you want to try to do a kosher salt rather than a sea salt. Um, and an iodized salt, um, because that iodized salt is going to be bitter, metally taste. It's got a lot of extra little bits in there. The kosher salt, it won't, it, it's finer. It gets in those little nooks and crannies. Iodized. Iodized. Iodized is finer. Than kosher? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. See, I learned something here tonight. But that kosher is better. It's more of a pure salt. Isn't that? I believe that's what it is. I'm sure that's also true. But I know I'm iodized compared to kosher as far as size is. Iodized is more powdered. So kosher salt is larger granule size than table salt without common additives as iodine. So, so there. It's just salt without the metally taste to it. So, um, but that's what you want, because you don't want to add any of those extra nasty flavors, which you know, makes sense now. Um, so on the salting note, does, does the amount of salt that you add to your foundation, whether it's a, a dry or wet rub, change if your meat is... Uh, oh, what's the word? I'm totally blanking. Uh, brined. Yes. Okay. So, and it depends really on your cut of meat too, for how much salt you're going to add to it. Um, with wet rubs, you're not going to probably put as much salt in it. Um, but with like dry rubs, if you're doing like a piece of pork, you're not going to want as much salt as if you're doing a piece of beef because pork is already naturally salty a lot more than beef is. Um, with chicken, you're probably not going to want as much salt um, right in the very beginning because chicken is a very delicate meat. Like, it absorbs whatever, you know, you're putting on there. So if you put a lot of salt on there, you're going to get a really salty piece of meat right. meat of chicken. So that's kind of that balance that you got to walk. The next thing that I've kind of seen some people say is you should add your sugars. I'm going to recommend you stay away from your sugars. The reason for that is, depending on your heat, depending on how long you're cooking, sugars burn easily. They caramelize, and then they burn, and then they will take your meat and give it this awful taste. The worst thing I think you can have is burnt sugar. Like, it's just, it's not good. Unless you're making creme brulee, you know, or something like that, you're not going to want a burnt sugar taste on your um, your meat. Now, when you're making, like, sauces and all that, then you can do your, your sugars and all that kind of stuff. But you have to be very careful about how you do it. Um, and some of the sugars I've seen are brown sugar is a huge one. You see that a lot. Uh, raw sugar, you can see that a lot, too. Molasses, they put that in there. That's just a natural sugar. I'm seeing a huge, crazy turn to maple syrup. Really? Hmm. Because people are wanting to get more of that healthy sugar, that true natural sugar, like an agave uh, sugar as well, rather than using the processed refined sugars. Huh. Um, Interesting. But yeah, you have to be really careful about if you're putting sugars in with your meats because they burn so quickly. Uh, for most salt to sugar uh, barbecue rubs, if you do decide to go down, you're looking at a two to one ratio. Two parts salt to one part sugar. Um, you want less sugar than salt. Hmm. So then once you've got your foundation kind of set, um, you can start adding things to it. Black pepper, dried chilies. There's tons of dried chilies 
I mean, we could do a whole episode on different tastes of dried chilies and barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a painful episode. Oh, but uh, powdered or granulated <clears throat> onions, garlic, seeds, ground seeds, fennel. I mean, you can make a rub go from an Italian style to a mustardy kind of style just by what you put in it. Dried herbs. And then this was interesting, too. Baking spices. I never think to add that in there. I tried, though, a few weeks ago, put a little cinnamon in a rub that I was making. Game changer. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because it added this heat, but it was a natural heat. It wasn't like a kick-you-in-your-face chili heat. It was a more like an earthy tone heat that was mm. really, it was sneaky. It was like a ninja kind of like flavor in there. Um, just some other things to think about while you're making your, your rubs is... Consider the textures because nobody wants to eat large chunks of seasoning and all that. That's, you know, you don't want clumpiness in your rubs. You want to break everything down, blend it really well together. Right. And on your point with the iodized salt, you don't want to use really fine powders because those will get in little pockets and then you'll get a bite that's just kind of a... It doesn't dissolve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's lots of tools you can use to help break down your um, your seasonings. I'm a big fork in a bowl kind of person. Just take a fork and just scramble it kind of. Um, I've seen people use food processors, salt grinders, uh, mortar and pestles, breaking down things like that. Um, it's just your preference. What do you have? Most rubs will keep for about one to two months in a sealed container, depending on you know, what you put in. You want to keep it something airtight, obviously, because the more air that gets to it, the more it's going to lose its intensity, its seasoning. So I try and make small batches of rubs and all that kind of stuff just so that I can use it for that day and then throw it away, throw away the rest of it. I don't have a waste because, you know, I can't guarantee I'm barbecuing every week, you know. Um, Just dry rubs? Dry rubs, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Is there a rule for how long you can keep a wet rub for? Probably longer. A little bit longer, because most wet rubs you're going to probably keep in the refrigerator, which is going to help keep them. And that's the other thing, too, is you want to let those kind of warm up before you put them on. Because if you put them on cold, it's going to give you a different consistency. Things don't always mix well when they're cold. you got to think that, like, you're getting molecules as it warms up. Molecules break apart. You know, they're not um, constricted as much. Yeah. from what I've read, too, put your dry rubs on about an hour before you put your meat on the grill. Aaron Franklin said in an uh, interview that I was watching with him that, you know, a lot of people freak out like, oh, my goodness, I'm putting this rub on, you know, the meat and I'm letting it sit out for an hour or something like that. And he's like, well, you're putting salt on it. You're preventing any bacteria and all that from getting to it. It's going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm. if you're really worried. Put some saran wrap around it. Well, even no. an hour for any meat, yeah. whether you put salt on or not, it's not. It's yeah. an hour's fine. People need to calm down. <clears throat> and then it was interesting, too, to read that Aaron Franklin, actually, if you get a job at his barbecue restaurant and you season meat, you have to take a course by him on how to season the meat. And he watches you and watches your elbow movement He's to make sure that you... He's very particular about Oh, that. my goodness. He is the most anal person about putting seasonings on. Huh. Um but I mean, when you got to line out the door for three hours, right? You can be anal about whatever you want, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, and when you think about it, it makes sense. Like, you have to the the seasonings are getting applied either way, so you have to be someone's making the decision. Oh, I'm going to put a ton of seasoning over here or over here. Like, if he just makes his employees conscious of yeah making it even, like mm-hmm. that's just excellence. That's well, why it made he's awesome. It made sense to me at first, but then it, it really hit home when I saw a video on Instagram of this guy who had this nice rag of um, um, lamb, lamb mm. ribs. And he took this can of rub um, that he bought at the store, and he kind of flipped open the top and just, like, right on top of it was almost hitting the meat with the can and just, it was it was a mess. It looked terrible. Like, he didn't spread it out. He didn't pat it on. It was just, boom, 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 boom. And then he put a little piece of vegetation on it to make it so and then here's the most misleading thing about rubs and i've seen this from many people i saw it from michael simon who's one of the iron chefs when you hear the word rub what do you think you should do with that seasoning with the meat 
Alex is making the motion, you might be able to hear it in his microphone. You think you should rub it in. Yes. Wrong. Yep. Do not rub it in because that breaks down whatever you're putting in there. It makes those molecules smaller. It's making your rub smaller. You need to just gently, like Alex, you were saying that guy just dumped it on there. You need mm. to get that arm motion, get that, you know, I'm doing it right now. Like, like our <laughs> listeners can see me doing it. But it's a wide back and forth. Yeah. It's slow. From yeah. the elbow. Right. And then you want to kind of knock off any extra rub you have. Just give it a quick little drop. And what you need will stay on the meat. Hmm. You want to get that extra off because there's nothing worse than biting into it. Especially if you want to make like a spicy rub. Mm. There's nothing worse than biting into that pocket of seasoning that hasn't been broken down. Um, We've all cooked with uh, like ground like pepper kernels. Yeah. We've all bit into oh bit into like a whole corner kernel of pepper before, and yeah. then your mouth just explodes, and you hate the rest of your life. <sighs> and that is how you rub your meat. <laughs> I had to put one last that was good. dirty joke in there. That's the best way to put it. So, Alex. Are you ready to share your deliciousness with us? I'm so ready. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we will come back and talk about all the goodies you have brought for us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you're interested in seeing what beer, bourbon, and barbecue was up to before we started a podcast, you can see all the exciting adventures on Instagram at beer underscore bourbon underscore BBQ. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date on the show and our adventures outside of podcasting. Be sure to check out our cool shirts and stickers available on our website, shopbeerbourbonbbq.com. And we're back again. Another fantastically delicious break. Um, we have to have more of these. I, mean, I love our breaks. Yeah, they're so good. Um, so we just devoured. A full slab of ribs? Pretty much. Minus three. Yeah. I'll let Anna have some. Oh. Well, then minus four, because one of them was burnt. Yes. Which yes. I ate anyway. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry you had to suffer through that. <laughs> the rub was good enough that it didn't matter. So, Alex, when you and I were planning out this episode, we said that we wanted to try different rubs mm-hmm. and put them kind of against each other, do a wide spectrum of rubs um unfortunately i had something today where i couldn't smoke anything Mm. so you took on the responsibility of doing it i sent you the rub i probably would have made um and you concocted it and scienced it yeah scienced it and then made another rub Mm -hmm. and went with that and then we tried some ribs i made last week sunday um, so they weren't as good. Um, barbecue doesn't keep very well. I Not found. really. Um, you got to eat it like one or two <laughs> days, which it makes sense why barbecue places sell out of meat. They'd rather undercook than have a whole bunch of meat left over. Right. But I would say we successfully made some good rubs. I do too. And I, the thing I was most curious about was would having a different rub really make that big of a difference? Because so far, I've only really tried the same sort of basic Texas style. Lots of black pepper, lots of salt, maybe a little bit of garlic, maybe a little bit of onion powder, a little bit of cayenne. And and that's all I've used ever. And so I was really curious to try a side-by-side and see, okay, does it make a big difference? Is it mostly the meat? What What's mm-hmm. going to happen? And And I think it made a huge difference. Oh, yeah. So we kind of talked during the break. We kind of ranked what we... What we liked. Um, I'm going to say we're going to put an asterisk next to these rankings because I think part of it for why we like something had to, or why we didn't like something, had to do with the cut that you had. Mm. Um, And that that just couldn't be helped. Uh, You bought a pack that was like a three pack. It was was definitely discount ribs. Yeah. But it was the only way I was going to get them this month. But the, at the same time, that really goes to show why Aaron Franklin says, "Get good meat." Yeah, get good meat. Mm-hmm. Um, mine that I made for that I wound up, they were really good, but it was a good cut of meat. I mean, I paid a good price for that. Yeah. So the three rubs we made, we made a coffee rub. Mm-hmm. We made a. I did a Texas purely Texas style rub, um, and then what would you call yours? 
a take on Texas. Okay. So uh, I think yours is a Texas and Florida rub. Florida? Because of what you put in oh, it. Oh, right, 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 right. Which we'll get to in a second. So the um, so the rub I sent you that I wanted you to use was the, I'm going to let you say it, Feta Sal Rub. That's that's how I would have said it, yeah. Um, and it's out of Feeding the Fire, which is by, you've got the book over there. It is by Joe Carroll. Um, and the reason this stood out to me is because they use coffee in it. And we kind of talked about <laughs> in the very beginning, cowboys use coffee to flavor their meat. So I kind of wanted to go on that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just brown sugar, uh, salt, coffee grounds, pepper, garlic powder, uh, ground cinnamon, which you can taste that in there. Now, mm-hmm. it's a very earthy type. Um, a little bit of cumin and then cayenne pepper. <laughs> And it was really good. Yeah, I will say it. There was it. It was the biggest component was actually the brown sugar, followed by the coffee, which we just told everyone not to put brown sugar in there. Right, well, just not too much. Yeah, and and you got to make sure you break it up. Like it clumped a lot, and I I spent a lot of time trying to flatten it. But so yeah, it was mostly brown sugar followed by the coffee and the salt, and then everything else was just tiny little bits of it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you get for the most part. The only thing I don't think I get might be the cumin or the cayenne. Which I think is okay, though. I think you get that heat. That cayenne, I think, adds to the heat of the cinnamon, which adds to the robustness of the coffee. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason I use cayenne so much is because it's a lot more subtle than you would think it is. Like, if you use a ton of cayenne pepper, it's going to taste like you used a ton of cayenne pepper. But if you use it a little bit, um, it's... Kind of just a little bit extra oomph, um, in at, at least in in my seasonings that I've made. So, so that was my my first liking. When I think, if I speak for the group, I think we all agree that was number one. Would mm-hmm. you guys agree? Yeah, like taste wise, <clears throat> um, I think that was also one of the better cuts of meat that you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a thick piece. Yeah. Um, and then Alex, you were saying too that you used the same. S- Wood on both styles used an apple and a oak. Yeah, it was um pretty much a half and half. Okay. Um. Yeah. So then the next rub that you made was kind of what you wanted to. We we're calling it our Texas Florida rub. Um, and you said that you did a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, and then secret ingredient, mm-hmm. which you won't tell me. And after you told me, it's like, oh, I, it hit me. And Guy, I think you were kind of the same way. Like, yeah, I can taste that in there. Orange peel. Orange mm-hmm. zest. Yep. Um, which I would never have thought about using. I wouldn't have either, but my um, my mother-in-law, Guy's mom, hi, Lane, um, oh. for my birthday last year, got me some steaks and bought me a bunch of seasonings to kind of put with it. And that was one of the ones that she bought. And I haven't used it much since then. I thought this would be really good on a, a light meat, like a chicken or a pork or something like that, just to add that zest in there. I was afraid that it would burn and get bitter, so I didn't, I hardly put any in there. It was probably one part black pepper, one part salt, half a part garlic powder, um, granulated, or not so granulated garlic, and then a pinch of the orange. Yeah. Um. But I want to try more with it now. Yeah, I think you could definitely go with it. I think, like, I agree with Mm -hmm. you saying, like, a chicken or something like that would be a little bit more. Because you want that acidity kind of with chicken and all that. I don't know if you want it as much with the the pork um, or a beef. I don't think I'd put it on beef at all. Yeah, I don't think I'd put it on beef at all. But I think it'd be be interesting to try. I mean, you try it again and see what you think. That... We said it was probably our least favorite, but I think that had to do with the cuts of. I, I think it was definitely the cut. Um, it was a it was a really thin piece of rib. Yeah, when definitely. we were when we were cutting the rack apart, it, I mean, it fell apart right away. Um, which is no fault to you. We're gonna try it again, and we'll get a better. Well, I, I get a little fault. I I said before I I made a rookie move and forgot to take the membrane off the back, and when I was cutting them initially, it started to pull the bark apart so yeah um and then the meat i made um like i said i made it a couple days ago um i'm not not too thrilled with it right now 
um, just because it's a little bit older. It sat for a while, um, but it's just a salt, pepper, one-to-one kind of ratio of that, a little bit of garlic powder, a little bit of seasoned salt, um, kind of playing with that a little bit, um, a little bit more cayenne than I normally do, paprika, kind of just trying to get that very earthy tone without having anything overpower it. Um, let the smoke and do the talking. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. Um, they were good. I wish I'd had them fresh. Oh, they're really amazing. They're so good. They're really good. Um, but I think overall we had a good start to rubs. I think there's a lot more ways we could go with rubs. Um, hopefully this episode's kind of inspired you to try and make your own rubs. We've hopefully given you some background on, you know, what makes a good rub. Is there a right or a wrong answer? No, it's clearly up to what your taste buds are enjoying. Um, well, and, and for me, I thought going into this, my expectation was adding all the extra stuff wasn't going to make a big difference. Mm-hmm. That mostly just pepper and salt was was all you really needed. Um, but after having the one that you suggested was really good, and you could get all those flavors out of it. Now I want to try experimenting with other flavors, too. Yeah, yeah. So, Guy, we're going to put you to it. Um, you know, it's our favorite time of the week. Pick the week. Yeah. Um, it's anything that you want. We'll give mm. Alex a second to recuperate his voice over there. He's been a trooper through this episode. So, pick of the week. What are you choosing? So, my pick of the week uh, initially was... Uh, initially, it was the Maker's Mark Private Select the from Schnook's Market mm-hmm. um, here in St. Louis. They had a private select made for them um if you've never had a private select go somewhere and find someone that has one it's going to taste completely unique and it's going to be amazing uh i have a bottle that i'm waiting to open actually this weekend at my wedding that i dipped with my fiance when we were engaged so private select is my pick of the week uh however i have a close uh runner-up which is the smithwick's red ale combined with uh the ribs that we just ate. So that was from our St. Patrick's Day beer episode. Um, when you went over to the beer fridge, you were like, "What do you got in there?" I said, "This would be good with it." And I'm glad you enjoyed the pairing yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's good. I mean, a red ale goes with pretty much anything. I think a red ale is a really good barbecue beer. So, Alex, you can make it over there. I think so. Can you quickly <laughs> tell us your picks of the week, and then you don't have to talk anymore? <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> I'm glad you're willing to edit out all of this nonsense. It's going to take me a while. I'm sorry. It's all right. So my pick of the week, even though the meat wasn't the best, I'm still going with um, Sam's Club's meat market. Um, I've had better cuts of meat, but for the price and the quantity, it. I mean, I got three racks of ribs for the price of one almost. And mm-hmm. while you can kind of taste it, I mean, half of that was really good. Yeah. The other half was fine. Well, and I think it wasn't too, bad. It was just, it was fun. And I think too, as you look at it, you know, and you understand more of just how that meat's cut, you could have seen, you know, okay, this is thin cut. I got to go less time on it than. Exactly. And I think that's just a practice. I think that's Well, just, and that's what I was going to say. It's, it's a great place while you're learning. You want to try something new? Don't buy a $30 rack of ribs to try something new. That's when you're cheap. showing off. Right. Yeah. That's when you, yeah. So yeah, try it. Good stuff, good price, get a lot of, you know, that's what Sam's Club's for. The yeah. other nice thing about Sam's Club is when you buy their cheap racks of ribs, you can buy a really large thing of cheap barbecue sauce to mask the flavor of your, <laughs> your bad cut of meat. You can do that. Um, for me, for my pick of the week, I uh, last week did a crap load of barbecue, and it was beautiful out. It was like the first really nice weekend we've had here. In St. Louis. So I just did a crap load. And I was like, I need a side to go with all this barbecue. So I just took four sweet potatoes, put a little bit of salt and pepper. Uh, I poked holes in the sweet potato all around it, covered them in um, oil, foiled it, and then put it in my smoker right next to the coals. And I let them sit in there for almost two hours. And when I pulled them out... It was this mushy goodness, and I actually poked a couple holes in the foil to get some of that smoke in there as well. 
this mushy goodness of smoked sweet potatoes. It was incredible. So huh. were they more mashed? They were. Or, would, or did you, would you say you cut them up or were they mashed? They were mashed. Okay. Like I didn't eat any of the skins because the skins were a little bit burnt from the heat and all that kind of huh. stuff. But it was so good. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We're not going to hear you. You're too far off your mic. You're relaxing over there. You can tell that you've entered into a barbecue coma guy. I, I said, interesting. Wow. That's crazy. Thank you, guy. So Alex is dying over there. Guy is going to go into a barbecue coma. Getting there. I think we need to end this episode. So we thank you for listening tonight. We hope you get out there. You try some of your own barbecue rubs. Let us know what you like. Um... Hit us up on the social media. Um, you can find me. I'm Kevin at beer underscore bourbon underscore barbecue. Um, connect with me. Alex, I would ask you, but you're dying. So I'll just say yours is Alex or the dot Alex dot experiment at Instagram. Talk to him. Hopefully he'll be feeling better soon. Um, guy, where can people connect with you? At danger guy with two R's. Because you're extra dangerous. Yeah. Um, congratulations on your wedding, my friend. It's happening. It will be. Which beer, bourbon, and barbecue will, in fact, be bartending. Fun fact. Yeah. We'll see how that turns out. It's going to be awesome. So, we appreciate you listening. Go to iTunes. Go to wherever you're listening to us. Give us a five-star rating. Connect with us. Check out our shirts. Um, We love you all. And we hope that you stay sauced on beer, bourbon, and barbecue.